become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. J. Fudd Millionaire, I own a mansion and a yacht. I am Elmer J. Fudd Millionaire, I own a mansion and a yacht. I am Elmer J. Fudd Millionaire, I own a mansion and a yacht. I am Elmer J. Fudd Millionaire, I own a mansion and a yacht. Reboot, reboot, reboot. presents Landfill News with your host, The Jaystrom. Now, here's your host, The Jaystrom. Boom! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Entertainment Landfill News. I am The Jaystrom. Welcome to the landfill. That's right. You've just signed up, buddy. You ready for some pop culture news? Some stuff about video games and TV shows that you'll never watch? Heck yeah, sign me up. Oh wait, I'm already here. But guys, thank you so much for joining me. First, I'd like to thank Brandon and Adam for listening to the show live. Boom! Live in the chat room of Entertainment Landfill on Mixler. It's pretty badass. Guys, thank you so much. Hey, I am so sorry I didn't do a show last Wednesday. I really wanted to. It felt weird not doing it. But my wife is on vacation, and we have a rule. When she's on vacation, it's time to do stuff. (laughs) There are times in the past where vacation we've spent just sleeping late and it's over with and you wonder what happened. So we actually force ourselves to get out there and do things like, okay, here's what we're going to do today. Like we went to the national video game museum in Frisco, Texas, which was awesome. I'm so glad we went. We got to see all these old consoles. We got to play these old games, but the coolest thing about the whole thing was they had a mock-up of an 80s bedroom. What a teenager's bedroom was like in the 80s. And it was hilarious. It was so cool how they had a little TV with a little NES hooked up to it. They had the record albums. And you could even open the cabinets to their dresser or pull drawers open. There would be comic books inside or movie novelizations or old board games. It was really cool. They even had this uh, really tacky like early 80s living room with the wood paneling with the Intellivision hooked up to it uh, with this old console wooden case TV. It was really cool. Uh, It was neat, you know, seeing my daughter, you know, picking up the controller and just playing those old games. And she actually wanted to keep playing. um, Oh my God, don't blink on it. The, the old game that you play uh, on computers about the, um, uh, the pioneers shit. I can't believe Adam. Will you help me with this? It's the old pioneering game where you're on a, you know, you're traveling. Oh my God. You suck, Jason. But anyway, it was really cool to see the old turbo graphic 16. I actually got to play Splatterhouse on it. They had it all set up. They even had, uh, a ColecoVision, but, I didn't see any Coleco... Yes, Oregon Trail. Thank you, Adam. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. I think it's because my brain is fried from playing... That's right, No Man's Sky. This is so funny. Okay. I just want to say this. Okay, that was awesome. We did some awesome things. We went to an underground cavern. 
that was cool. That prepared me for No Man's Sky exploring. But one thing I want to say about a cavern under underneath the the crust of the earth is that it's humid as hell down there. It wasn't hot. It was nice and cool. Like you walk down there and you're like, oh, wow, it's nice and cool down here. This is nice compared to up top where it's 100 degrees. But it's so humid, you're covered in this fine dew the entire time. And by the time you come out, it's just you're like soaked. But it was really cool. Um, It was a cool experience. That's what I would say about that. And, you know, I'm going to get to No Man's Sky in a minute. But first I want to talk about, I saw Suicide Squad. Huh? Saw that on Thursday. This is so funny. Um, my wife was like, I wish we could go see it Thursday night instead of Friday because we're going to do some stuff. And I was like, actually, it will be out. Let me look. Yeah, we could go see it like at 9 o'clock. And it was like, all right. So she invited her parents. You know, Emma went with us. And we all went to see a nice family-friendly movie, Suicide Squad. Isn't that great? And uh, we waited in line with a bunch of teenagers. You know, it's funny. I turned to my wife and I go, there's nothing that makes me feel older than being around teenagers. They make you feel so old because you want to just smack them in the head that they're just so out of touch with reality. (laughs) There was one girl, when the theater was letting out, each person that walked by, she was going, did you like it? Did did you like the movie? Did you like it? And people would go, yeah, thumbs up. Oh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. You're going to like it. And they're like, all right. And then the next person comes up, hey, did you like it? And we, I just wanted to go, hey, shut up. <laughs> shut the hell up. You're getting on my nerves so bad. But anyway, um, so we saw Suicide Squad. And, you know, I already knew the whole world was shitting on it. That was actually, believe it or not, I was surprised that it was a, the the word of mouth or the Rotten Tomatoes score. I mean, in fact, you know, people had petitions, which I would have done that story last Wednesday. <laughs> but uh, people were starting petitions to get Rotten Tomatoes taken off the Internet. I don't know. Shut down Rotten Tomatoes. Do they know Metacritic still exists? <laughs> like uh, compiling the same inter- reviews. It's different people reviewing it. It doesn't matter if you shut down Rotten Tomatoes. The bad reviews exist. But I'll say this about Suicide Squad. I- I'd heard all of it. A-, a lot of what people have said is wrong with it is true. The A lot of the musical choices in the movie are a little too on the nose where, hey, aren't we clever for playing this right here? Um, Some of it's okay. Some of it's not. Um, I thought it was hilarious that they played that Kanye West song from Wolf of Wall Street trailer because it makes me think of the Wharf of Starfleet. (laughs) But... uh, I'll say this about the entire cast. Will Smith was probably my favorite character. He he was basically Will Smith, as you know, being himself. But I enjoyed Deadshot, uh, the Joker. I, I'm I'm trying not to be too um, judgmental, but I don't know what Jared Leto was doing. I've even since read that uh, he said that a lot of the Joker scenes that he shot. Um, were cut out of the film. It, the movie is a bit of a mess, but the Joker just... I, if you, I don't want to compare it to other roles like Heath Ledger or Jack Nicholson or whatever, because the Joker is given such a short shrift in this film that there's not one of those iconic Joker scenes where it releases a chemical in your brain or if you're seeing something incredible... He just looks like some thug wannabe with his bad, you know, grill and his bad tats. We knew about that before, but now seeing it in the movie, he's sitting there and he's like intimidating Common, who's like this club owner. And it's like, there's nothing intimidating about the Joker. I don't feel like he's this this creepy psycho guy that could erupt any moment. I know he can because he's a Joker, but I'm not getting that from Jared Leto's performance. Um, I thought it was weak sauce, big time. And even his laugh, uh, first of all, it's not even a laugh. It's like, ah, 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 ah. Like, what kind of laugh is that? That's not a Joker laugh. That's pretty weak. Um, 
Harley Quinn, uh, Margot, uh, what's her face? Can't remember her last name for some reason. Uh, <laughs> what is wrong with me? Uh, <laughs> I thought she did a great job for what it was. She's an insane person. Uh, this is the thing. The movie is about a group of villains uh, forced to work for the government to do black ops. The problem is they don't do a bunch of black ops. This is their first mission. The whole movie. Margot Robbie. Thank you, Adam Sexton. Uh, this is their first mission, which is the movie. And I think that's a huge mistake. I think they should have jumped in, not when they're forming the Suicide Squad. I think the Suicide Squad should have already been formed, and they should have been on their 10th mission or something. And then they could have done flashbacks to who everyone wanted, the dossier. Another thing is uh, whenever they introduce Captain Boomerang, they'll show like 20 things on the screen that you don't have time to read for each character. Harley Quinn. <laughs> information you're like okay let's see she's psychotic she's oh wait it's it went away i couldn't read all that stuff it's like why did you put so much information on the screen that i have no possible way of reading until it's on blu-ray and i can pause it but by then who gives a shit you know um the film is has some entertaining moments it's got that you know it's a mess. I don't know what to say. I don't want to shit all over it. It's not that bad. I actually enjoyed it more than I did Ghostbusters, believe it or not. Uh, I like the cast uh, from what they could do, uh, except for a, I have a problem with that Joker. Just Okay, look at Jared Leto's Joker against Ben Affleck's Batman. They're supposed to be adversaries, arch nemesis, flip sides of the same coin. Do you see that juggalo Joker really being somebody that Batman obsesses over? He would beat his ass immediately and throw him in, uh, throw him in jail, throw away the key or Arkham Asylum or whatever. I didn't, uh, whatever. Go to hell. <laughs> I'm getting so, uh, I don't know what to say. It's a mess. But I enjoyed it at the same time. Uh, okay, this is what I'm saying. It's a mess where, okay, this is a disaster, right? Uh, but I'm entertained right now. Might as well just sit back and enjoy the ride because I don't know what the hell is going on. Captain Boomerang didn't have enough to do. Killer Croc had some funny moments, you know, because he, he's this big monster guy and he has a few funny moments. Um, but Margot Robbie, she was, she was, uh, good in it. She conveys different emotions, not just that she's insane. Um, who, who are some of the other people? The girl, Amanda Waller, the lady, the woman, the actress who plays Amanda Waller. She was good. She was nice and scary. So I don't know what else to say. Whatever. Uh, but it, yeah, the villain at the end, what could have been easily jo uh, like Ghostbusters world ending beam shooting straight into the sky kind of thing. I thought this was going to be a darker movie. I have read also that, um, yeah, Diablo is good in that, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing where the people that are good and you're like, Oh, if they could have done this, these people wouldn't have been wasted in this. Um, I've read that there was a lot of second guessing. There was an article on IO nine about how, the reaction to a Batman V Superman changed suicide squad where the execs were scrambling to change the tone, which we know right now it was a huge mistake. Just do what you were going to do. What did you do? I can only hope there's a director's cut where they restore what it was supposed to be. Um, God effing executives, man. Can you believe this shit? Okay. So I want to talk about, no Man's Sky. Just to, just so you keep in mind, I've only played the game for an hour and a half. Um, the game came out yesterday. Uh, we'd been reading about someone buying the game early. It got leaked. Some people playing it, whatever, trying to spoil things for people. Um, we, I think on the E3 show from 2013... Bill and I are talking about this game. Like, oh my god, you get your own ship, you fly to different planets, whatever. You explore. Okay. Um, I First of all, I pre-ordered the game from Amazon. 
but which now I realize was a big mistake because yesterday morning I could have run out to Target or Best Buy and bought the game right when they opened and been playing it all day yesterday. But instead I pre-ordered it, so it gets delivered at my house like almost 8 p.m. last night or something. And I'm like, okay, can't play it today. <laughs> so I'll play it tomorrow, which is Wednesday. But we got to register my daughter for school. We got to, you know, we go there and we go to a tour of her new school and everything. That's cool. And then finally, wait, I've got to prepare for the show. I'm doing a show today. So I'm like, okay, I'll just play for an hour. I'm going to turn the game on. I'm just going to play it. And, um, my first news story is actually the thing that I encountered right when you boot up No Man's Sky. This is a, a really funny story because all you see on the screen is the word initialize with a circle and a square inside of it. And I was sitting there just looking at it like ready. Oh, okay. Stretch. Oh, let me sit there. It's loading the game. Oh, let me just... Okay, prepare for this. Wait. Hey, wait a second. Wait, it's not loading. Am I supposed to hit the square button? Well, wait. I hold it down. The little circle goes whoop. And then the game starts. It's like, holy shit, I was supposed to hit square the whole time. That's what initialize meant. It meant for, hey, Jason, you initialize the game now. Start it. So this is on Polygon. No Man's Sky threw some PlayStation 4 gamers for a loop only a few seconds into the game. The game boots up to a blank white screen. The word initialize floats in the center of the screen. Beneath it, a small circle with a square inside of it. And then nothing. Some players thought that their game froze. I'm glad I wasn't that stupid. Others thought it was still loading or downloading. Turns out, it was simply waiting for the player to hold the square button. For a long-time PlayStation 4 owners, the square icon is an obvious direction to press the square button. But those unfamiliar with the system, and some may have bought one for No Man's Sky, as it's not on Xbox One, ended up waiting for something to happen. At least one player rebooted their system thinking the game had frozen. Dude, I thought I was the only one, wrote one Redditor. I sat there for a good while thinking it was installing. Another Redditor created a thread on the No Man's Sky subreddit entitled Hold Square on Initialize, saving a lot of confused players a reboot. Okay, in my defense, it took me a good 10 seconds to figure it out. <laughs> Here are some other comments that people said. I saw this guy streaming a few days back. He reset his PS4 because he thought it had crashed. LOL. Another person wrote, WTF, I wasted 10 minutes of my life. Another person said, I just bought a PS4 to play No Man's Sky. I'm usually an Xbox guy. So when I saw the square, I didn't think of a button. Honestly, I had to move my couch closer to my 50-inch TV because the square looked so tiny. I thought it was just a logo. After two hours of playing, I moved my couch even closer. They sure did make the text as small as possible. Well, how far back are you sitting from your TV, dude? Chalk it up to tired eyes and tiny icons, or maybe the excitement of finally being able to play a hotly anticipated game. I will say this. Yes. Totally excited. Oh my god, I wanted to play so bad yesterday. You don't even know. It was so painful to be like, no, gotta, gotta go to bed. Got to go to bed early tonight. We got to get up. Got to be at that school at 8.30 a.m. And uh, I just, oh, man, I wanted to play so bad. And that's why it was so, the fact that I'm doing this show right now, Adam and Brandon, is a miracle. <laughs> because, oh, man, so far the game is pretty amazing. It's an, it's an ex exploration game. I'm on a planet. My ship has crashed, and I'm trying to find parts to fix it. So you're going around scanning creatures and rocks and plants and stuff. And I've already named some things. And believe it or not, I'm going to find the proper, the perfect planet to be the mulberry planet, planet mulberry. But um, this first one isn't quite there. It's very irradiated. It's got a lot of radiation. i got to keep worrying about my suit and fixing it. 
I'm going to find the right place with the right weather, the right plant life, and it's going to be mulberry. Maybe find some mulberry trees on there. But uh, I've already been attacked by hostile creatures that look like brains with legs, which I thought was interesting. Uh, I've already had a drone attack me and I was like, what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> I had to shoot it down and then others came for me and I was like, I'm peaceful. I didn't meet. Leave me alone. But I remembered like, uh, if you hide somewhere, like in a cave, they won't follow you. So I did that until they were gone, but it is weird. I will say this when you're r- walking around, you're uh, mining like different minerals and stuff from rocks and plants and stuff like that. When a giant, when a robot flies in front of you and starts scanning you, you're like, okay, do it. Did I do something wrong? What, how, what? Okay. And it's like, and it's like, and flies away and you're like, okay, I didn't do anything. But it's so funny how they'll show up and they'll start looking at what you're doing and they'll look down at what you just shot and they'll scan it. And I'm like, okay, am I in trouble or what? But when I get better equipment stuff, I'm totally going to shoot those things down all the time. Trust me. Because they're a huge pain in the ass. But I got my ship fixed and I'm actually in the air. I haven't left the atmosphere yet because I'm uh, looking for alien artifacts and stuff, but I'm pretty fascinated so far. The game is gorgeous. It, it's looks amazing and I can't wait to play more of it. So I highly me- recommend no man's sky on the PS4. Um, and here's another story about no man's sky, because here's the thing about no man's sky is you're in one giant universe. From what I read, the PC version is going to have its own server and the PlayStation is going to have its, other server its own server so they're not going to share together so i know bill is playing this and i am too so eventually he might be able to find a planet that i've named things or discovered and i may find a planet he's discovered and some people are thinking hey what if we ran into each other at the same time uh sean murray has already said this is nearly impossible there are 18 quintillion planets the idea of two people meeting each other, just, it's not going to happen. This isn't a multiplayer game. Well, yesterday, the first day the game is out, two people found each other. And they went and they met at the same place. They were standing exactly the same thing. They had both had their feeds going on Twitch. Okay, I'm here, I'm here. And they didn't see each other. They were completely invisible to each other. And the whole internet was like, oh, like bummed out because it's kind of, you know, if Bill and I are exploring an entire universe of all these planets and one day we run into each other, that would be amazing. But it looks like it's not going to happen. And I've read some people going, Sean Murray lied to us. But then Sean Murray said this. He hints that meeting other No Man's Sky players is possible. No Man's Sky creator Sean Murray has tweeted about yesterday's slightly anticlimactic meeting of players, suggesting that there's more to Space Sim's ability to handle two games intersecting than we've seen so far. See, that's this one thing I've thought about. The whole idea of the game is to find, you know, it's to explore and discover and all these things, but also uh, get to the center of the universe. Part of me wondered, like, what if when you get to the center universe, there's some kind of space station hub where other players all are, and they're all like, you know, there's like a huge trade thing where they can trade all sorts of minerals and artifacts and ship parts and stuff, and then you can play with each other or something. That would be cool if it's not until you actually earn the right to do that. And I wondered if those two players didn't see each other because they haven't done that yet. It's just an idea. The developer who has previously stated that the chances of meeting another player in the game's 18 quintillion planet universe is pretty much zero was surprised at how fast it happened. He tweeted two players finding each other on a stream in the first day that has blown my mind. However, Murray hinted that the reason behind those players being unable to see each other and seemingly at different points in the planet's day-night cycle could be down to yesterday's server trouble, and that under normal circumstances, there would be some indication of another player's presence. 
He tweeted, we want people to be aware that they are in a shared universe. We added online features and Easter eggs to create cool moments. We hope to see those happening, but too many of you are playing right now more than we could have predicted. <laughs> it's unclear whether it will be as simple as seeing another player's avatar. Maybe Murray's no comment about what those online features and Easter eggs could be. Um, but made no comment about what, oh, uh, he made no comment at what those features and Easter eggs could be. Sean Murray has been cryptic about the game's ability to handy, handle multiplayer elements for several years at this point, And he has repeatedly said that the game is primarily a solitary experience. Indeed, it is listed as a single player game. Whatever this game turns out to be, we're intrigued right now. Okay. Yes. Very intrigued. But yeah, I will say that. I know it's not a multiplayer game. I don't even expect to team up and us go searching together. That's not what it's about. It would just be neat to like wave to your friend. Hey, oh my God. Hey, I found your planet or something. It would just be neat. Um, it's screenshot. That's it. You know, <laughs> I don't expect you to go out on missions together. Cause right now the game is about going around, exploring, you know, you're marooned on a planet and then you're eventually going to go out into space and go to a, it's more about meeting aliens that you don't understand and learning their language. Like I've learned five words of this alien language so far, and it's pretty cool. And it's when I finally got to this alien bunker and opened the door and there was an alien standing there and he's like, and he's like waving to me and I go, Whoa, what the hell? <laughs> because I've been alone up until then. It's really cool that all of a sudden you meet an alien. Very, very cool. Okay, that's enough on No Man's Sky for now. Okay, guys, you fans of uh, DC movies, get ready. A report is that Man of Steel sequel is happening. Warner Brothers is moving ahead with a follow-up to Man of Steel, Superman's most recent solo feature. According to The Wrap, the unnamed un undated sequel is entering active development, suggesting it's in the earliest stages of pre-production. Although Superman's co-star in March's Dawn of Justice, Batman is getting his own standalone film, Warner Brothers has yet to formally announce another Superman film. Instead, the studio has shifted focus towards its superhero team-up movies, setting the stage with Wonder Woman and the Justice League. The classic comic book hero will appear in the Justice League movies, again played by Henry Cavill. Cavill first assumed the role in Man of Steel, the first DC Extended Universe entry. Yeah, we know. The movie was directed by Zack Snyder, we also know that, who's since gone on to helm most of Warner Brothers' DC pictures, two of them, and received mixed reviews from the critics and fans alike. Even three years later, Snyder is still defending his largely panned interpretation of Superman's origin story in podcast appearances. What? <laughs> Whatever. So, okay, there'll be another Superman film. There needs to be. I mean, if you think about it, Batman v Superman wasn't much of a Superman film at all. It was setting up Batman and the Justice League. And then they're going to do the Justice League movie where Superman's going to what? Show up in the last five minutes because he's dead the whole time, even though we know he's coming back to life? Ah. Are you guys fans of Saturday Night Live? It's a very hit or miss show, but it's been on forever. Um, one of my favorite actors on there that makes me laugh, he's a funny, talented guy, is Taron Killam. Uh, well, apparently, Taron Killam isn't going to be on the next season of Saturday Night Live. And I was like, holy shit, I wonder what happened. Oh, he must be, he must have quit because he wants to do other things. No, Adam, I haven't seen the ultimate cut yet. Just a lot of shit's been going on, but I do want to see it. If you're looking for a reason that Taron Killam was let go by Saturday Night Live well before the end of his contract, well before the end of his contract, don't expect him to be able to explain it to you. As TV Line exclusively reported Monday, neither Killam nor fellow not ready for primetime player Jay Pharoah will be part of the series cast when season 42 premieres. Killam recently told Uproxx that NBC's longtime running late night series. Oh, guys, just say, okay, I'm going to fix this. Killam recently told Uproxx that Saturday Night Live decided not to pick up the final year of his seven season contract, but he's not sure why. I had sort of had it in my head I would make this upcoming year my last year, 
but then heard they weren't going to pick up my contract, he said. I was never given a reason why. Wow. Killam mentioned that he's directing the film Why We're Killing Gunther and that some of the post-production process of the movie would have coincided with SNL's production schedule. I honestly don't know what happened on the other side, but I do know that we had expressed I have work on this film and in bonding this picture. That has to get cleared with SNL, he said. In the end, he added, my feeling about it is I got my dream job. I set out to be on SNL, and I got to do that, and I did it very well. And I love and adore and will forever have close ties and tight bonds with the brilliant, smartest, funniest people I've ever met in my life. So I have no gripes at all. Yeah, he doesn't have any gripes, but still, that's pretty shitty, isn't it? It's like, oh, you, you won't be back. It's like, why? No explanation. You don't get one. Hmm. It's kind of weird. Because I, I thought he was good on there. Okay, guys, here's another report. This just in from Hollywood Reporter. Ghostbusters has been out for a bit now. A new story from the Hollywood Reporter says that the movie is going to lose millions. As a result, a sequel has been put on the back burner. But Ghostbusters isn't quite dead yet. According to the story, Ghostbusters has to make $300 million to break even, while, while its current box office is hovering around $180 million. The Hollywood Reporter says the eventual loss could be in the $70 million range. Even though Sony argues that the bottom line is nowhere near that big once you include merchandising, product tie-ins, ecto-cooler, games, etc., <laughs> Either way, it definitely seems like the movie wasn't the bona fide hit that the studio was hoping for. Come on, they did the commercials for that insurance lady, Flo. I'm surprised. Which boils down to everyone being a lot less vocal about a sequel than they used to be. Instead of commenting directly on the sequel, a studio representative told The Hollywood Reporter that Sony was very proud of the movie and has resulted in the studio having many ideas in the works to further exploit, I love that they say exploit, the Ghostbusters universe. One of which is getting an animated show, Ghostbusters Force, which was announced earlier in 2018 and planning an animated movie for 2019. Both are being steered by Ivan Reitman and Ghostbusters-centered group called Ghost Corps. It makes sense that Sony's not going to give up an attempt on, uh, to return to Ghostbusters in a signature franchise. Uh, it also makes business sense to funnel resources into the animated form. Oh, shut up. Yes, it makes sense. They should have a Ghostbusters commercial. Uh, I mean, cartoon. The, the people who made the video game recently, they filed for bankruptcy. We talked about it in our Ghostbusters React show. Um, the movie, much like Suicide Squad, it feels like it was put together by a board of executives. Um, they should have written a really good script instead of going, action, everyone improvise the scene, is what it feels like. Um, it could have been so much better, damn it. And that's the problem with modern day filmmaking as we leave the theater and we're always like, God, that could have been so much better. It's it's rare now to leave the theater totally satisfied, isn't it? It's a freaking bummer. Bums me out, man. All right, guys. Agent Carter, Marvel TV boss, wants a revival. I love the show Agent Carter. Season one and season two were was even better. Were great shows. Never got great ratings. Uh, it's gone now. But Haley Atwell would be very happy to lead Agent Carter on a new mission, and Marvel TV would be very happy to accommodate her. There's just one none-too-small factor standing in the way. Someone needs to first step forward and offer a home for said TV movie special, as Atwell has suggested, or whatever form the revival might come in. Explaining the situation to TV Line in the wake of Atwell's August 4 comments, Marvel TV chief Jeff Loeb said that, Unlike the movies, Marvel's small screen division cannot simply greenlight a project without first knowing where it will play. Marvel studio schedulers get to say, in 2019, we're going to bring you Captain Marvel. And when it shows up in a movie theater, no theater owner is going to go, whoa, hold on a second, we didn't say that was okay. Instead, what Marvel television does every day is it connects with our partners, ABC, FX, 
Fox, Netflix, Freeform, and they tell us when they would like it. So the short answer is, sure, if someone wants to call and say, we want a two-hour Agent Carter for May, boom, we'll put it together. For the record, Netflix has dismissed the idea of adding Agent Carter to its slate of Marvel series. And again, Loeb hopes to one day deliver a new mission for Peggy, especially since Atwell is demonstrably on board. (laughs) God, I was having trouble with that. Demonstrably. I will say this. The way season two ended was very... I thought it was really good. It was a good final kind of ending. And then, you know, when uh, Captain America, we find out poor Peggy dies. She passes away. So it was, I really liked the character, but, you know, if there's no more, I'm not going to be too sad. It kind of had really good closure, I thought. What do you think, Adam? I know you like the show. Twitch will stream The Tick and other Amazon pilots for the first time this month. Twitch will host two pilots of Amazon Video's upcoming series for free as the live streaming giant looks to expand content offerings to its audience of millions. The pilots, which include Amazon's highly anticipated reboot of The Tick and Jean-Claude Van Johnson, what the hell is that, will premiere on Amazon on August 19th and then be streamed on Twitch on August 31st for a 24-hour period. Pilots for Amazon series, which include Transparent and Man in the High Castle, are typically streamed for a couple of weeks for Prime subscribers to vote on before the Amazon team makes a decision of which shows are ordered. In 2014, Amazon bought Twitch for $970 million. Holy shit. But the companies haven't partnered on, on much outside of advertisement placements. Bringing the pilots to Twitch marks the first major crossover move for Amazon Video and the streaming site. Amazon made the announcement during the Television Critics Association's conference in Los Angeles on Sunday, but the company hasn't released a formal statement at this time. It is unclear if Amazon is interested in making this seasonal affair and branching out into a bigger partnership with Twitch. So that's pretty cool. We can... uh, I have Amazon, so this doesn't really matter to me, but I am very interested in uh, the tick because just from the screenshot, the tick looks bizarre. It's uh, Peter Serafinowicz in this weird looking tick outfit, and I can't wait to see it. I bet it's going to be funny and strange, which the tick should be. Okay, guys, somebody has issued a threat to the masses, and I want you guys to know about it. Fantastic Four's Miles Teller is up for a sequel. That's right. Remember 2015's Fantastic Four reboot? According to a recent interview, Miles Teller, who played Reed Richards, says he's up for a sequel. Speaking to Joe Blow about returning for a second outing, Yeah, sure. I love the cast. I love the characters. I think it's an interesting dynamic. I love how much they really need to rely on each other. The Avengers thing, they've kind of created their own Fantastic Four in a way. Marvel's first family. Their powers can't just exist on their own. You need Thor to do this. The Hulk to do this. So yeah, absolutely. I would do another one. What the hell is he talking about? Fantastic Four was released last year to less than positive reviews. No shit. We want to make another Fantastic Four movie, Kinberg said, about a potential sequel. We love that cast. I mean, if I were to say, you know, Michael B. Jordan, Miles Teller, and Kate Mara, and Jamie Bell, you're going to say, whoa, I want to see those people in a movie together. Hell yeah. Well, you already failed, dude. I don't think it's going to happen. All right, so I never... Have you guys seen that Fantastic Four? It came on HBO, and I was like, you know what? Don't care. Not interested. Don't want to. Luke Cage trailer. Marvel's Luke Cage has hit. And boy, oh boy, guys. I'm a fan of, of course, Daredevil. Both seasons kicked ass. Um, 
Jessica Jones kicked some ass, and now Marvel's Luke Cage. Luke Cage was in Jessica Jones. By the way, I've been trying to get Steven to subscribe to Netflix. I was like, just do the free month, dude. Just come on. Watch Stranger Things. Watch season one of Daredevil. Do something. He's like, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time. It's like, oh, man, it's never going to happen. But uh, Marvel's Luke Cage, Adam, already looms over Harlem in the first Netflix poster. And our third Defenders cast, an even bigger shadow. <laughs> Defender casts! An even bigger shadow in this official trailer. After a sabotaged experiment leaves him with super strength and unbreakable skin, Luke Cage becomes a fugitive trying to rebuild his life in modern-day Harlem, New York City. But he is soon pulled out of the shadows and must fight a battle for the heart of the city, forcing him to confront a past he tried to bury. Let's watch the trailer. This is going to kick ass. Take my advice, brother. You should be out there helping people, like them other fellas downtown. Reaper used to say the same thing. Yeah, well, she was right. Oh, fuck you, can't even say it. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, baby, I like it, boy. Yeah, baby, I like it, boy. Oh, baby, I like it, boy. Rips the door off a car. So it's just guys shooting him and doing the crap. But one thing I love about Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, there's this fight he does in a bar where he's a lot stronger and he's un, you know unkillable or hurtable so he's just kind of swatting him around like flies not wanting to hurt him too bad and it's hilarious I'm just getting started oh yeah I don't even think I watched the right trailer but still it's on YouTube guys it's awesome cool now here's something that no one is excited about and no one wants to see happen trust me Jason Momoa in talks to star in the Crow reboot. Good Lord. How many times are they going to try to reboot the Crow? It just shouldn't happen, guys. A new report indicates that Jason Momoa is in talks to star in the upcoming reboot of the Crow. Momoa shared the following post to Instagram with the Crow helmer, Corn Hardy, suggesting he could have sealed the deal for the part. Mashable notes that Momoa was indeed circling the role, so it looks like this photo could be confirmation of the star's casting. The guys are having a beer in a bar, but okay. The site notes that Momoa's casting would not interfere with Aquaman, which is slated... Oh, shut up. Oh, then what are they filming at the same time? What is he going to do? No, they're not. Oh, shut up! Hardly previously indicated Hardy previously indicated he was leaving the crow. But this report seems to contradict that development. The long gestating reboot of the crow has taken a while to get off the ground, thanks in part to Relativity Media's bankruptcy delaying production. Producer Dana Brunetti was brought in to help steer the company's creativity as it recuperated from the financial loss. The original 1994 Crow starring Brandon Lee in his final film role is based on James O'Barr's comic book of the same name. I just said that in case nobody knew. The story follows the resurrected Eric Draven with the help of a mystical bird. A mystical bird? Awesome. Yeah, guys. Nobody wants this. Do, do any of us want this? For those of you who don't know, a phoenix is like a mythical bird. Yeah, it is. Okay, whatever. Kiss my ass. Okay, guys, for you guys who've seen Suicide Squad, you're wondering, hey, that tattoo Joker has on his head that says damaged, what's the story behind that? Well, I'm glad you asked, because Entertainment Weekly has a story titled Suicide, Suicide Squad Director Explains Origins of Joker's Forehead Tattoo. 
<laughs> Suicide Squad. Although he isn't the main focus of Suicide Squad, Jared Leto's Joker is one of the most colorful parts of David Ayer's superhero film. Super villain film, thank you. Even though the character has been played on screen many times before, Leto's rendition manages to stand out. They're full of shit here. Not least because of his assortment of crazy tattoos and his grill. One of the Joker's most notable tattoos is the inscription of the word damaged across his forehead. What could that possibly mean? In a recent interview with Empire, Ayer explained the in-story origin for that particular mark. And it has to do with the graffitied Robin costume seen in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Joker killed Robin, and Batman basically smashes his teeth out and locks him up in Arkham Asylum. Ayer said, Ayer said, It is in the asylum where Joker would have done the damage tattoo is a message to Batman saying, You've damaged me. I was so beautiful before, and now you've destroyed my face. That's where the grill comes from. It's unclear whether this plot will appear in DC Extended Universe films. Ayer made sure to clarify, this is my personal thing, and less about a larger connection. Uh, aren't you guys glad I read this? <laughs> it's a non-story. It's just some shit he made up in his head. that uh, Because it doesn't make any sense. Jared Leto was like, oh, what if I had a grill? Uh, oh, okay, Jared, that, that'd be cool. My Joker, ooh, ooh, what if he has tattoos all over him? Yeah, he's all inked up. My Joker's inked up. Okay, dude, I just want an Oscar. Give me what I want. Okay, okay, okay. Jared, calm down. Okay, I'm going to have damage on my head. I'm going to have like this laugh face, this like mouth, like Mick Jagger laugh on my hand so I can put it in front of my face and I'll have the Joker smile. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's great, Jared. Dude, he won an Oscar. Just let him do what he wants. Okay, so, and you guys get it. This is the Joker. Okay. Here's why Fox abandoned its X-Men TV series, Hellfire. Despite unveiling simultaneously, Fox and FX's X-Men TV series, Hellfire and Legion arrived at vastly different stages of development, to the point Hellfire ended up replaced with a new X-Series. Now Fox explains the decision to cool Hellfire, Hellflyer, identifying it as the show that wanted to live as a feature. For those catching up, Hellfire was the center of the same Hellfire club seen in X-Men First Class, described as following, A young special agent who learns that a power-hungry woman with extraordinary abilities is working with a clandestine society of millionaires known as the Hellfire Club to take over the world. Wow, that doesn't sound good at all to me. <laughs> that Just that pitch right there sounds stupid. The project effectively shuttered in January as the announcement of a new 24 series took producers Evan Katz and Manny Cotto off of Hellfire with Star Trek Beyond Scribes, Patrick McKay, and J.D. Payne also abandoning the project. FX has since hired Burn Notice vet Matt Nix to develop a new X-Men series. While Slash Film caught up with network boss Dana Walden, she commented on backburnering Hellfire. Oh, I see what you did there. We did see an early draft of Hellfire, and there was a lot of work to be done. Manny and Evan were getting very busy with the new 24. At a certain point, we all regrouped, together with Simon Kinberg and Brian Singer and Laura Shula Donner and Jeff Loeb at Marvel, and really made a decision. I would say if there's anything about Hellfire that was not ideal for us, it felt like a show that wanted to live as a feature rather than really taking advantage of what television does best. Exploring relationships and characters and small moments, it doesn't mean it can't feel like a big show, but Hellfire felt more like another installment of the features. Oh, so good. We'll never have to uh, deal with that, guys. Yay! Aren't you guys excited? Woo! Okay, one more story, guys. Game of Thrones writer George R. R. Martin has a new TV series. Okay, guys, they're getting a little ahead of themselves with this uh, headline. George R. R. Martin, best known for writing the book series that was adapted into blank, blank, blank. Do we need them to finish the sentence? 
Martin made the announcement of Sunday through a post on his live journal blog confirming that Universal Productions has purchased the rights to adapt Martin's long-running anthology series, Wild Cards. According to Martin, development on the series will begin immediately with the end goal to have several interlocking series that connects all of the anthology series. The majority of Wildcard's novels are set in an alternate version of America post-World War II and follow a group of humans that have contracted the Wildcard virus. The virus, which is described as an alien virus that rewrites human DNA, has a couple of different effects. Those that are left with crippling negative effects are referred to as jokers, while those that are mutated into superhero forms are referred to as aces. The first Wild Cards book was released in 1987, and there have been 22 novels published since then. The next novel is set to be released later this month. Wild Cards is a series of books, graphic novels, games, Martin wrote. But most of all, it is a universe. As large and diverse and exciting as the comic book universals of Marvel and DC, though somewhat grittier and considerably more realistic and more consistent, with an enormous cast of characters, both major and minor. Martin's announcement comes on the heels of HBO confirming that there will only be two more seasons of Game of Thrones. The writer is still working on his sixth installment in The Song of Ice and Fire and blah blah blah, inspired the HBO blah, 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 blah. Martin said he won't be involved with the wildcard series. I won't be working on the series myself. I'll just be cashing a big fat paycheck. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I added that part. <laughs> but you guys agree, right? That's what this is all about. Oh, yeah. That's your team. Well, it sounds cool. Whatever. Can't be as bad as heroes. Right, guys? <laughs> Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Guys, I want to thank you so much for joining me today for ETL News. Whoop, 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 whoop. I'm, ex- you know, I actually want to see, Let me, let's check out Rotten Tomatoes as we do. As we do, we check out the Rotten Tomatoes, Tomatoes. Pete's Dragon comes out this Friday. It wasn't, it wasn't something that was on my radar, but I kind of want to see it. It's got an 85% fresh. It's got a good cast. Uh, Sausage Party uh, also comes out. I don't know if I want to see that or not, but Peach Dragon looks like fun for the whole family. It's got Bryce Dallas Howard, Robert Redford, Wes Bentley, Carl Urban, someone named Oaks Fegley, and Una Lawrence. I guess those are the kids. (laughs) It's like, who the hell is that? But uh, sounds cool. Uh, the new Ben-Hur comes out August 19th. Yeesh. Not sure about that. My wife wants to see it because it's got, uh, that one guy in it from, uh, Boardwalk Empire. Jack Houston. That's it. He is great on Boardwalk Empire, but I'm like, when I, we were watching, I saw the trailer to Ben-Hur and it's like, it looks like a TV movie, but who knows? We'll wait and see what kind of reviews it gets. But I know she wants to see that. Uh, guys, I got to go. I got to go play me some No Man's Sky. So, <laughs> no, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. If you would, go to um, nimpodcast.blogspot.com. There you can find all the previous episodes of the show. If you haven't yet, check out what we had to say about uh, Ghostbusters. We didn't do a show of Star Trek or Suicide Squad. It was just the way I saw Suicide Squad on Thursday. Steven saw it on a Saturday. I don't even think Bill's seen it. We've got to uh, get together and uh, do an anniversary show because, Adam, you reminded me that August of every year is an anniversary for Nora Mulberry Entertainment Landfill. And this is our 11th anniversary of the show. Entertainment Landfill or Nowhere Mulberry has existed for 11 years now. And I want to preach. I want to tell everyone that I appreciate you listening to the show. Uh, It's so amazing that the show has been going on for this long. We have our ups and downs times where the show, you know, there's like one a month or something lately though, you know, I've been trying to crank them out, but I want to do more shows with Bill and Steven because that's why I started the show in the first place, doing a show with friends. 
And, you know, like I said before, I enjoyed doing the show solo, but it's all about doing it with friends. And, oh, wait, you know, I just remembered I had a voicemail. Uh, and I got to play this because it's from our buddy, Ken. Ken actually saw the new Godzilla, and he wants to review it for us. So let's check that out, and then I'll wrap up the show. I wanted to play this so bad. He sent it to me like a week ago. Let's check it out. Well, hello, Jason, Bill, and Steve. This is Ken calling from Tokyo. And I know it's been a while since I've called, but I heard a couple of days ago on the latest podcast, Jason complaining about not getting any responses, uh, particularly in, a strong in the word. form of voicemail. And it's true. Uh, where is Adam Sexton? That's that's what I want to know. I don't know. Is he, he is. aware of the problem of not having voicemails? I mean, t- it's taking its toll on Jason. I can tell. You know, Jason, you said you weren't, you were not bitter. You weren't upset that you weren't getting some feedback. But I could tell. I could detect a slight. A, 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 t- a tinge of uh, bitterness in your voice that you're not getting as much response as you'd like. So if Adam Sexton, if he's not going to carry his load, then I'm going to have to step in and uh, do something. Here, so. And the other thing is, okay, I haven't called much because I haven't really had much to say that's new because here in Japan we're behind everyone else. You guys are seeing everything that I can't see for months so, for example, Jason Bourne is not coming out in Japan until October 7th. And now, and then there's Star wow. Trek Beyond, which I really want to see. And it sounds like a great time. And we have to wait until October 21st. So, I mean, what's the point of me calling in just to complain about not being able to see anything? That gets, that gets old after a while, right? But now... <laughs> I've seen something you haven't seen, which is the new Godzilla film. Uh, That's right. The Godzilla Resurgence, which just came out this weekend, and I saw it with uh, with Taiha yesterday. And I'll give you my reaction, which is this is so much better than the previous 2014 Godzilla. And I I have to say this without spoiling it, because I think... You you just avoid. Uh, I know it's coming out later on this year in the states, so yeah, you have to wait for this one. And uh, the <laughs> less you know about it, the better. Because I didn't know much about exactly what was going to happen in the movie. I just saw the trailer, and you know, I know who I know who made it. Um, Ano Hideaki, who made Evangelion, the anime, which I'm sure you know what that is, and. He, he's a he's a really good director of live action as well, so uh, I knew that. And then, but I didn't know anything about what what was going to happen, what the monster was really, and you know how it was going to play out, and the tone, the tone, which is so important. And I have to say, without spoiling anything, this this is a horror movie. This is a horror film oh, that wow. we haven't seen since probably the original Godzilla from the 1950s. That was oh, a horror film. He was oh, just a dear. he or she or whatever was just a monster and just came out of this uh, radioactive waste and had to be stopped. That was it. Well, that's the same story here. And not, not like the previous Godzilla movie, which tried to explain everything that talking about Godzilla, he needs to, he needs to stop these other monsters. And, you know, they figure there are all these scenes explaining like what's, what's Godzilla's motive and Godzilla, he really isn't interested in us. He's just interested in, you know, killing this other monster. And we're just kind of caught in the middle. Uh, and it's not really, I mean, it's, it was fine, but it wasn't a horror movie. It was more like a action thriller or something. This is a horror film, this Godzilla resurgence. I mean, this thing, and it's just a giant thing. I mean, there's no personality. It's just, it's, it's like a cross between a, a mutant hedgehog and a charcoal briquette. <laughs> this, this, this hideous thing. I can't even describe it because, you know, I, I would be spoiling it if I described the, the monster. Even if I said, you know, the monster doesn't have the same appearance 
throughout the whole movie. I can't even say that. Don't. I've gone too far already. So <laughs> just, just take this, that this is a hideous, hideous being that must be stopped. And it has no motive except blind, uh, just, just blind uh, uh, aggression, blazing at everything. And, and it's, and, and in some way, it's such a horror movie, you kind of feel sorry for it because, you know, we created this thing, right? So when we're attacking it, it defends itself and it defends itself in such a way that it's so horrifying and yet you can't blame it. You can only blame us. We're the, we're the ones who made this thing. So we have to stop it. And the more we try to stop it, the worse it gets. And, okay, there was this review that went up on Kotaku about how there's just a lot of talking in the movie and there's a lot of meetings. And, yes, there is a lot of talking. But it is so interesting. It's not realistic, okay? It's it's like the movie, uh, what was it, 13 Days? Right. Um, the Cuban Kevin Costner movie crisis. about the Cuban Missile Crisis. And in this movie, there's a lot, just conversations, just people talking very stressed out conversations about what are we going to do about the Russians and the missiles in Cuba and all that. And it's really intense and it's really well done, but it's not realistic. I mean, it's just, it's really dramatic. That's what it was. That's what this was like. Really intense. Um, people not sure what to do. They're reporting facts, but they don't understand what they mean and they don't know how to respond. And they, all these meetings take place in these, in these rooms that are identified on the screen with these titles that say, you know, this is the third meeting of the, of the response committee, uh, representing the environmental agency <laughs> on the fifth floor of the, you know, building a of the Tokyo metropolitan government office. And it's, uh, and it has this, it, it's not realistic, but it, the, the set, the scene, could be real. I mean, I've, I've sat in these rooms and I can't say I'm lucky to be going to these meetings with the big boss at, at where, where I work, you know, and the furniture, <laughs> these lounge chairs all kind of lined up symmetrically around a table. And then they have nothing on the walls that's, de- that's decorative, except maybe like a, a scroll with a, with a, with a minimalist, you know, brush stroke painting and, and then a hideous, tacky plant on a desk and that's all for decoration you know i've sat in these rooms and and it's just that just rung so true you know not it's not realistic but it feels true (laughs) if that makes Mm -hmm. sense you know they're they're desperate they just don't know what to do about this thing and uh and it was a really fast pace i mean yes a lot of talking but what they have what they say is you know urgent and uh and, you know, you get the sense that they're working as a group. There's no hero. There's no one person who stands up and says, you know, I have the solution. That happens, but usually that person has to go to a superior and say, look at this. Is this okay? And that superior has to, you know, grunt and go, hmm, maybe. And then other people have to be convinced. And, you know, they, they take you through this process of how they make decisions. And it's it's that rings true. Like I said, not, not realistic, but true. And, uh, but anyway, I won't spoil any more of this. Just, you have to see it and to experience kind of a classic Godzilla monster. And, uh, well, I do, I do like it much better than the 2014 Godzilla. Uh, I'll say this when in that 2014 movie, you remember when Godzilla, uh, does his death ray? Oh yeah! You know, puts the death ray from his mouth into the other creature's mouth, and it was a cheer, like a stand up and cheer kind of moment, and uh, it was awesome, right? And you just kind of went, yeah, this is this is like, like oh, a this is yeah. like the release. <laughs> in this movie, in the new one, when that happens, you're not cheering, you're horrified, and you're like, make it stop. How can we make this stop? And, uh, and you can't. So anyway, that's all I've got for now. And I hope you guys see this thing. And I hope when it does come out, we can talk about it a little more. And I hope you're doing great. Uh, things are good here. And I'll talk to you later. 
Okay, bye. Thank you so much, uh, Ken. I appreciate that very much. And feel free to send other reviews. I appreciate that. And uh, I will say this. Sometimes I get a little needy. Like if uh, I put out a string of shows and I haven't heard much about it, I'm like, just all I want is like, hey, are you guys digging this? What do you guys think, huh? What is, huh? You know, I just want to hear something, a collective voice or something like that. Just to know that somebody's listening, essentially. Like, hey, is anyone listening? Um, it's just one of those things. I'm not looking for praise or anything. I just want to make sure that uh, things uh, are going okay. It's like, hey, is the feed working? Or, <laughs> But uh, seriously, Ken, thank you very much. And like I said, it's our anniversary. And I want to do a show with Bill and Steven very soon. So if you guys want to send some anniversary feedback, some voicemails to play, I'm going to get Bill and Steven and I, uh, we're all going to talk about doing the show and our history together and talk about some other things. But I would love to play some voicemails from everybody. So if you would, send some voicemail to nimpodcast at gmail.com. I no longer have the voicemail number because that company went out of business. So if you could just record an audio a file and attach it in your email to nimpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I'll be back next Wednesday, but uh, for patrons, there will be chapter two of my audio book very soon. I'm hoping to get it out by Friday for those who are interested. Now, guys, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time. I gotta go discover some new alien life. Alright guys, what are you waiting for? Get out there, play some video games, watch some TV shows, stream on Netflix, go see some movies, and I'll see you next time! Woohoo! That was the news and I am out of here. Whoosh. Now this is podcasting. podcasting.